Hello, everyone, and welcome to War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast. We are coming to you tonight, as always, from deep within the Outer Rim, far beyond the watchful eyes of the Galactic Empire. My name is John Mark Tolley, and after a bit of a hiatus, uh, part of the gang is back together. Welcome once again, Joe Cahill. Joe, how are you today, man? I am doing really well and looking forward to this one tonight. I am too. I am too. Uh, we are going to be discussing, well, we are going to be going over all of the original uh, trilogy, but of course, when we're going over all of the original trilogy, that means you have to start with the original of the original trilogy. I'm, of course, talking about what many people know as Episode 4, New Hope. Most of us who are old enough also just know it simply as Star Star Wars. Wars. Yes, yes, the original. And there's a few things that we're going to be talking about when looking at this movie. One, we're going to be looking at the overall story. We're also going to be looking at the acting. Um, Was there a message that George was trying to teach us and tell us in that story? The effects, uh, of course, because you can't talk about any Star Wars movie without talking about the effects. And... Does the movie still hold up today? And does it pass does it pass the test of time? And what are what impact did Star Wars have on society? So let's talk about the first one, uh, just right at the bat. The story. Um pretty simple but, story too, I think. Yeah, it's just a straight story arc. He uh he even admitted he did the straight story arc from uh, myth and legend, you know, the, the hero, the, the scoundrel, the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And he, and he brought that full circle and, you know, yeah, and, and he you did the royalty with the princess. Oh, and so he, he, he just did a full circle standard myth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he did. Um, and you see a lot of, also throughout it, you know, George, you know, Lucas's passions and his past. I mean, the 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 opening scroll um, alone is, you know, harkens back to his days of the old serials, right. where you would get the, you know, last last when we last left our intrepid heroes, they were dangling, you know, from whatever, yeah, from and, a rope over a chasm with stormtroopers yeah. attempting to break through the door. Yeah, and that's one thing I like. Uh, not to you know go in a different direction. That's one thing I did like that that Clone Wars did is that you still had the scroll, but you had the audio scroll, where each episode would turn would start out with the a voiceover guy basically doing the same thing of telling you where they were, where you were at in the story, what was going on, and what was what what had happened before, and that's what kind of what this what the scroll is it. It lets you know what's going on. Okay, it's a time of civil war. Uh, there's the empire. It's bad. These rebels are trying to are trying to fight it. They've just recently won a huge battle. Uh, and there's this thing called the Death Star. And the princess is trying to flee to get this piece of. Um, to get the stolen plans. To get the plans, yeah, to, to get the plans to safety. 
So you at least there, you know, you're not going into it blind and you don't have a situation where you have to have a character do exposition for you to get you set up to where you're at. It's like, you know, right away, oh, this is where we're at. Right. Yeah. And no, no, no hesitation. Now we can just go right to yeah. the story because we don't need to do quite as much of the character or storyline building. Yeah, you know, like, okay, it's a long time ago in a galaxy very far away. There's the Empire, the Death Star, Rebels, go. Exactly. Yeah. And, I mean, throughout the movie, you do get bits and pieces that kind of flesh it out. You know, you get the, the mention of the Jedi, which, of course, will play an important part in the whole series. Um, mentioned that there was a government before the Empire, the Republic. And you get all these little bits and pieces throughout that kind of whet the appetite for what will come later. Um, but, you know, they, they do go on to kind of flesh out this world and um, make it feel more real. Right. Yeah. But you part of the story. It, it, it mm. makes you, you part of it and appreciate it. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, I mean, we've, we've kind of hit, you know, ba very, I mean, a very basic story, but, but a story do well done. Um, you know, which shows that you don't need all these, necessarily when it comes to storytelling, all these bells and whistles. You just do a very simple start-to-finish story, and you can have... Some you can have a great movie. So, but here comes the question though Is Star Wars a great movie because of the story or because of where it's set and all the cool effects and all the cool things that come with it? You know, the lightsabers and the space battles. Right. Um, or is and it a combination of both? I think it's a combination of both. Uh, reasonable storyline with, oh, you know, groundbreaking effects. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, while we're talking about that, I think this is a good time to kind of move on to the the acting. Um, I know one thing that Lucas kind of gets hammered on is his script writing and particularly his dialogue. Um, I mean, what was your take on as someone who's in the movie business um on the the acting in in star wars well you know of course vader was the best of course um, yes but and i have to say you know no offense to dave prowse mm -hmm. but it was a brilliant brilliant move to have james earl jones come in and do the voice i do too and i think what's what's really amazing about that is especially if you ever watch the um the 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 documentary I'm your father, which talks, mm -hmm. which is um, basically talk you talk with David Prowse, and even James Earl Jones said he was just special effects. Right, that it was like yes, you could have that voice, but it was the mannerisms that David Prowse did. Yeah, Dave Prowse really gave, added, gave the screen presence. Yeah, he gave the screen presence. He gave the gravitas, and then. Uh, it James Earl Jones was the I'm an actual actor, let me do this dialogue for you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. 
Um, so uh, it was a really, it was a team effort between the two of them. Um, yeah. And, and I wish, you know, Dave Prowse had known that they were team efforting. Yeah. That might've been a little cooler. Um, as far as everybody else, um, you know, Carrie Fisher was fine. She came mm-hmm. from an acting family. Yeah. Uh, you could tell Mark Hamill was extremely young. Oh, um, yes. And, and doing really his first big role. Uh, mm-hmm. in movies because his whining was <laughs> not believable. But I was going to Tossie Station to get some power converters. Uh, you yeah, know, that's... Any, anyone who complains about the sand scene in episode two, I just need to point them to that scene right there. Yep. You can <laughs> play with your friends later. <laughs> um, but I think it's interesting that they had like some relative newcomers um you know yes carrie fisher came from a from a movie background but again i think that was like her one of her first real roles on her own and uh, of course you had you know mark hamill you know doing his but then you counterbalance that with you know two people who have been not only in tons of movies but on stage and um all right, Sir Alec Guinness. I mean, Sir Alec Guinness, and of course uh, Peter Cushing. Yeah, you mean I mean two, both two legends. Know, yeah, two yeah legends of not just the screen but stage two. Um, yep. so you have these kind of two 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 different worlds coming together, and um, and of course you had Hans, uh, not Han Solo. Yes, Han Solo, Harrison Ford who was kind of in the middle, you know, he wasn't quite the legend yet, but he definitely had had, he had some background. He had some background. Yeah. He was an up and comer and had been in a few stuff and was just on the cusp of really breaking through. Now, I don't remember star Wars came before, um, Blade Runner, didn't it? Um, Yes. Okay. Star Wars. Star, so. Star Wars got him Blade Runner. Yeah. I mean, no doubt in my mind, if he hadn't done Star Wars, he probably wouldn't have gotten Blade Runner. Right. Or probably Indiana Jones. Yeah. Because as you know, that was initially not even supposed to initially be Harrison Ford. Just a little side note. That was originally supposed to be a a one Magnum Magnum P Magnum. Tom um, Selleck. Tom Selleck. But as I just noted, he was filming a little TV show called Magnum P.I. and wasn't able to make the uh, to be there for filming. So they went with their second choice, which, of course, was Harrison Ford. Right. Um, One of those things of, uh, you know, how life could have been differently if. uh, Yeah. Anyway. Woo. Tom Selleck is is indie. I just. I love him as an actor. I don't see him doing that role well. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's again, that's the whole thing of you know, we get so used to one person being being in a role that when you find out that somebody else could have been in the role, you're like, oh, oh, I don't that how does that work? Brody was better second time around in Avengers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. What, that was there are times placement. when it does. There are times when it does work. Like for instance, um, since we're kind of off on a tangent here, even though I loved, I liked Edward Norton as Bruce Banner. I think Mark Ruffalo plays a much better Banner. Right, and and you know we got to remember 
he wasn't even their first try at replacing Norton. Yeah. You know, they did the Banna, yeah. Banna one too. And then they're like, yeah. you know, we're just not scoring well with these guys for this role. Yeah. Anyway, back to actual Star Wars. Because this well, is a you know, Star Wars now, now I think the big thing is uh, the effects. Yes. Uh, well, the creation of the a whole new tech, you know, creation of entirely new technologies uh, mm-hmm. to do the, the special effects, which and I think what's even more amazing about that is the fact that they were tech, they were really working on a shoestring budget. Right. I mean, I mean, for all, all the, all the, you know, praise that we give star Wars, star Wars was essentially a low budget movie. Oh, absolutely. Totally I mean, it was shoestring budget. budget. Now it was shoestring by studio standards. Um, I'm sure, you know, like you would have, you would love to have the the type of money that even the original Star Wars had with you know some of your movies. Oh yeah, that would be nice. But what? Uh, but you know, it was it was an eleven million dollar film. Yeah, which for I, a for a studio movie, that's that's a drop. Even the back bucket. then, that's not a lot. Yeah, and and that was not so much through the studios. Yeah, I mean, basically, all the the studio. 20th Century Fox gave him was we'll distribute the thing for you and take money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he did a lot of getting that money from other other sources. And then to go Which, ahead and use that to create new technologies, uh, come up yeah. with the whole blue screen thing, the, the mm-hmm. you know, starting to do some generating, you know, CGI start type generating. Um, <laughs> but the models that they built oh. and you know, yeah. you know the Death Star trench that long Ooh. took up a whole parking lot. Um, that was well, and what's amazing to me was just not only with with the special effects, but with marketing how how ahead of his time Lucas was of even saying like, yeah, I want the money for all the merchandise. Yeah, fine, let me have the merchandise. Yeah, yeah and whatever. And back then, Sony was like, oh, merchandising, <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> And little like, did they know. Yeah, little did they know. They were like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can have all that stuff." Oh yeah, yeah. Who cares yeah, about or... that stuff? Yeah, boy. Yeah, what you're gonna do? Lunch boxes like the Partridge Family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's. I like, mean, that alone, that alone, merchandise alone, probably made Lucas a multi-billionaire. Oh. And that's, that's not considering all the you know everything else that comes with. You know, every with it. Yeah. Well, multimillionaire. I think it took him a little longer to get billionaire status. Um, Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I think when everybody else started coming to him to um, do their special effects for mm-hmm. their films, um, and you know, Skywalker Ranch was formed and everything else. I, I you know, I'm thinking the original made like seven hundred and seventy-five million. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't quite make a billion in box office. Um, for the time period, though, you know, a monster. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, it was yeah. an absolute monster. Um, oh, def- definitely, definitely. I mean, huge uh, impact. Not just on. I mean, well, let's let's go into its its effect, its cultural effect. At least, let's start with that time alone. The the impact that Star Wars had on pop culture. 
at that time. Now, obviously, I came in after that it already kind of made its mark. So I'm kind of post, I'm a, a post Star Wars baby. Um, right. Cause you, I was born in you 1970. Are a baby. <laughs> I, I wasn't even born yet. I, <gasps> I was born in October. So of my mom would have been pregnant with me when Star Wars came out. Wow. I had spent more time watching Star Wars that year than you lived through the end of the year. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I grew up in kind of this post-Star Wars where Star Wars was always kind of a part of my life and part of part of part of the, the culture. You know, I remember growing up and playing Star Wars. Right. And, you know, it was always the thing of, oh, who's gonna be, you know, of me and my friend of who's gonna be Luke Skywalker and who's gonna be Han Solo. Oh, see, it was always easy for me. I was just like, I'm Vader. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Vader and I'm going to cut your hand off in the next film. <laughs> Who wants to be Luke so I can kick your butt again? <laughs> uh, but, but you know, I, I see towards the Empire and Law and Order. And... Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, we but, know. We know you. Yeah, I'm the propagandist, as you call me. I call it the mm -hmm. truth to say. Mm hmm. But, uh, you know, culturally, the impact was big. I, you know, and boy, my Star Trek fans are going to get mad at me over this. Um, then Star Trek. Wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> the views it. expressed by Joe Cahill do not necessarily reflect, the, reflect those <laughs> of Word of the Stars and, on, and its subsidiaries. Thank you. I mean, anyway, go ahead. And, and, and you know, a little more. You wouldn't have gotten Star Wars if you hadn't gotten Star Trek. This is true. I mean, that was um, part of Lucas's inspiration growing yeah. up. And but culturally, it opened up. I mean, conventions became real. Yeah. Uh, you know, we had our Star Trek conventions back in the day. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons. But in the 80s, we started seeing conventions really take off and become more pop culture because of star mm -hmm. wars yeah and it also spawned oh wow we can make money doing sci-fi exactly i it like without star wars would we have seen like the marvel cinematic universe yeah indiana jones yeah uh, indiana jones uh, the summer uh, block, you know, the old summer blockbusters yeah, that you know, always come out during the summer. Uh, yeah. Blade Runner. I, yeah. I don't think we would have seen any of those made by the studios because that was not what they considered a profitable no. you know, thing to make. No. They were uh, stuff for kids. Yeah. I mean, the, there was one reasonably sized movie in that time period. And uh, mm -hmm. Logan's Run, you know, yeah. pre-Star Wars. And yeah. while it is now a cult classic, um, it never hit the mainstream. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, know. and you did, I mean, in all fairness, you did have movies, you know, precursor movies that were pretty big that, you know, kind of came before, like I'm thinking 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, 
Right. You know, but and then but back in the day, all you ever got was too cerebral. Science yeah. is too cerebral. It's right, too technical. Right. Most people don't understand that. I mean, Logan's run was was made with only seven million dollars, but only made twenty five at the box office. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not a good showing. No, no. Um, and I think you just hit it on the head. What made Star Wars different was, yes, Star Wars had the effects. Star Wars had all the cool sci-fi things. But going back to the story, the story was simple. It's something that everyone could follow. Right. Anyone can sit there and follow it and be like, oh, okay, this isn't above my head. And that made it um, accessible to everybody. Exactly. Kids, exactly. adults, um, a family outing. Mm-hmm. And that, exactly. that's an incredible about a um, let's see I'm looking up uh, sorry I'm looking up 2001 right now uh, oh yeah see it's box office was only 146 million mm. um, for a 12 million budget but you know they were the big studios were it's let's leave those kind of things up to like Stanley Kubrick yeah to to make um you know his name will make a little bit of money on it and then we can we can go on and make our next rom-com or spy movie yeah or, or the time musical you know because that was the 60s so yeah cold war movie yeah um, boy the soviets are bad 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 let's make a movie about that yeah uh, so star wars opened up pop culture to me mm, oh definitely Definitely. Um, or at and, least and, pop culture as we know it. Yes, as we know it now. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I was a sci-fi fan before. I read all. I read books. and um, I think I was, what, 12 when it came out? Mm-hmm. And was just astounded. Yeah. Sitting in the theater. And what's really bad is I was standing in line for everybody's popcorn and soda when the rolling track came on. And I completely missed the whole section with Princess Leia and and the, the blockade runner and the Star Destroyer. Oh. Uh, when I came back down carrying everything for my brothers and friends, um, the droids were already in the desert. Oh. So I, you know, and I fell in love with the movie anyway. And then, you know, I snuck in the next day to see it again and was just like, whoa, that boy, now it makes sense. <laughs> yeah a lot of this makes a lot more sense (laughs) it's amazing how in movies just sometimes missing just those first few minutes of a movie can really you know make such an impact in what's what's going on and you're like oh okay that's why they're there that's what they're doing i wondered why the droids were out in the desert (laughs) and and who's this dude in black armor that's kind of cool (laughs) <laughs> and and why is everybody running from the police? I mean, the stormtroopers. <laughs> kind of like now, Black Lives Matter. Everybody's running from the cops. Mm-hmm. So, and I, you know, I don't know if I should bring it up. I wouldn't know how your show went, your special episode of that went. It went really good. It went really, really good. We had a good conversation and a good, um, a good dialogue. Um, of course, if you're listening now and you haven't listened to the show, check it out. It was a little bit of a different show than we normally do. Um, 
we were talking about just the all the stuff that's been going on in the news. We talked with special guest Anthony Anthony Williams um, from the Delivery Bros podcast, and yeah, it was just a really good, really good conversation, really good show. Uh, so definitely, guys, check that out. Um, and that's how you could also, you know, you you we're talking how has it affected mainstream? Well, how, you know, that was kind of a how can we apply some of the star Wars things to today's society and what's going on. Yeah. And well, uh, that leads, that's a good segue to the next thing I want to talk about is, was there a, do you think there was a, a message that George was trying to, was trying to put push or um, kind of like how star Wars, you always, you always have the thing with star Wars having a message behind it. Do you think there was a message that was trying to be taught? in star wars or was it just a just a fun movie no no he uh he was going with the old standard myth trope good will always outdo yeah. evil right. um never give up you may be the hero yeah i mean be you be you might be surprised you're waiting for somebody to come be the hero and it may be you and that mm-hmm. was kind of you know luke's life he was stuck his uncle wouldn't let him leave his uncle had to die and that's when he you know was able to to become this this hero Mm -hmm. yeah i think it was like i think you just hit the nail on the head it wasn't like this deep philosophical message that like you get from like star star trek where it was like this you know huge you know mind-blowing it was just simple there's good versus e- like you said good versus evil and you know yeah you have the 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 idea of the unremarkable doing something remarkable right that's a, it's a really because good put it. luke was unremarkable he was a farm boy from a backwater planet that was probably going nowhere in his life. You know, at the most he would have had, he would have probably, he would have eventually gotten gotten to the academy and been just uh, a, an uh, officer another, somewhere. Yeah, tie fighter pilot, or or even maybe even I mean, most more likely he probably would have been just you know assigned to some freighter somewhere in the far flung regions of who knows where. Yep. And would have just been another cog in the Imperial will wheel. Yeah. But which I mean, we're not cogs, we're important pieces. Um yes. so be careful there. Um <laughs> I, I apologize. And you know, having another Skywalker uh in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Might have been a good thing. Hey, he might have actually joined the Emperor. Hey. I mean, I think with um, with someone like Han, you get eventually throughout his whole, without his story, you know, his whole story arc, you get the story of that you are not necessarily the sum of where you started from. Right. You know, just because you start off as this unsavory character and this scoundrel and everything like that, that doesn't that doesn't dictate who you can become. Right. And, and, you know, George was very nice to Han Solo. Yes. He's a scoundrel. He's a smuggler. 
he was a freaking drug dealer. <laughs> uh, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. But but we were nice and called it nicer things. Um, yeah, smuggling. He was a smuggler. Yeah. Well, what was he smuggling? Well, you know, things you smuggle. Yeah, yeah. it's just stuff you smoke. <laughs> it's spice. Oh, yeah. you mean like paprika? No. No, closer to melange. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Closer to dune. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it... And I just, I, I would love to sit down with him one day and just say, did you see this coming? Mm, you're talking George? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Which, by the way, see- Mr. Lucas, if you're listening, yes, uh, the invitation is out there. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, we would love to have you on the show. Absolutely. Um, boy, I got to figure out a way to send this to him again. Um, <laughs> he may listen to it and go, yeah, these guys are really out there. Uh, <laughs> but it's it, it is held up. Mm-hmm. I think it is actually oh. held up better than several of the other films. Now, here's the, the question, the though, as far as holding up. So let's let's go let's go and pretend that Star Wars had never been made. <gasps> I know. Blast. And then suddenly, 2019, 2020, Star Wars comes on our theater, comes to theaters, exactly as it was shown in 1977. With, you know, maybe, maybe you know, kind of looks a little prettier, you know. The, yeah, it uses all the current tech. Yeah. But as far as, like, you know, making it look more modern. But um, same basic story, same basic everything like that. Does the movie still work? Well, yeah, they 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 proved that with um, the Force Awakens when they basically redid A New Hope. Yeah, the, the same story, and it still held up. Um, as a matter of fact, Star Wars: A New Hope was better than their attempt at it in the Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I almost think they could have just re-released it three times over the last 10 years mm-hmm. and probably made as much or more money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to update them one more time with all the current special effects capabilities. Now, let's go back and let's just say use the same effects. Don't uh, change anything. Does that, does it still hold, or have we become so jaded to the type of effects we have now that people would be like, what is this? Well, I think it could work because it was really the first of what we have now. Yeah. Uh, it was, it, it was the technology that laid the basis for what we have now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, they didn't have the CGI capability just because they didn't have computers that could do that um, back then. But, you know, as far as using props and models and ships and practical effects, top of the line. Well, and it's interesting because you're starting to see, in many ways, a return to the uh, to practical effects, and people actually preferring practical effects to CGI effects. Yeah, you've got to make a balance in there, and yeah, it's got to be a tool. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm I'm building sets for for my sci-fi film, Um, but the the computer screens, yeah, they'll be green. They'll be green screened and we will CGI in whatever readouts or whatever's going on on all those screens. 
um, mm-hmm. you know, at, at each officer's duty station or however you want to look at it. Um, right. Creature effects, we're going to go for something that, you know, hasn't been seen before. So we're kind of limited to CGI because the practical effect of what we're designing won't work. They right. just, you know, we can't put somebody in a costume for that. Yeah. Uh, and Lucas was very careful with that. Uh, okay, we're going to have this alien, Chewbacca. So let's just find the tallest damn dude we can and stick him in that outfit. Now he looks alien because yeah. he towers over everybody else so much. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, well, we, want, uh, we want a sinister guy. Let's put him in this nasty looking black armor and, and just make him a badass. Yeah. Um, and then they did good, great with the practical effects they did do. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, the cantina scene. You get to see oh. a ton of different alien types in there. That was one of my favorite scenes in that. Just just seeing that world and everything kind of come to life and all these weird aliens and um and the fact that one thing I think was so cool is the fact that each one of them have has a backstory. Even the ones that you only see for like a second. Every one of them has a backstory. Right. Every one of them has a story of what planet they're from, who they were, how they got there. And I think that is such cool world building and makes that world, even if it's something you never know or never hear of, just the fact that it's there makes that world even more real. Right. I mean, you know, finding out about the twins and then the Deveronian, you know, devil looking yeah. dude. And yeah. Uh, you know, it's just like, whoa, <laughs> you know, there's huge storylines behind each of them. Yeah. Well, and even even the, um, you know, the different Imperial officers that you see around and finding out, you know, their backstories and where they came from and who each one was and what they were doing there on the Death Star and mm-hmm. what eventually came became of them and... um. Yeah, well, a lot of what became of the Death Star crew was a massacre, and yes, you know we have Death Star Day every year in the mm. Empire now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because of the mass murdering rebels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll you know just I won't even mention Alderaan. Um, hey, you know sometimes you've got to take a firm stand with rebels. And Alderaan was supplying a lot of those terrorists with their stuff. So you could think of Alderaan as Iraq under Saddam Hussein. <laughs> we, had, we had to cut that funding off, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the people and the bodies and everything else they were providing. So, you know, and, and if the terrorist organization doesn't want to listen, well, then you just build another one. <laughs> <laughs> and we saw how well that went well you know terrorists will be terrorists <laughs> and they will attack stuff um, you know uh, what about all those poor little creatures on all those different moons that got chunks of Death Star landing on them you know you know, what, you know in, in Last Jedi or Rise of Skywalker it looked like it did the one moon pretty bad When you got yeah. Ray, Ray and and Kylo, the wannabe Kylo Vader, 
uh, running around. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> enough. Enough imperial propaganda. Eh, for now. For now. You know. Nah. It's always good for a laugh. It's never enough. Um, <laughs> well. But yeah, as far as holding up, it. It, I think it would hold up even today released. Mm-hmm. I agree. As, as it was. Um, I agree. It is, it was before its time. Mm-hmm. By a lot. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, it, you know, it launched the careers, it really launched the career of, of Harrison Ford um, yeah. into the stratosphere, really. Um, oh yeah, becoming you know what is it they call Hollywood elite? Yeah, I mean and it's interesting that you know the different paths that each one of them of those three took, you know, as far as where they're, you know, wouldn't really be until later on that Hamill would really find his kind of footing in voice acting. Yeah, um, and he had some pretty good roles. Um, <clears throat> Most of them were sci-fi, uh, right? Except for, of course, Corvette Summer. Yeah, and uh, you know he and he was the one that kind of embraced that. Yeah, I'm going to do whatever you know. If they want to offer me sci-fi, uh, he had a really good time travel one. Um, I can't think of the title now. Uh, yeah, which is one of the first sci-fi movies to actual show a ship providing orbital bombardment. Mm. against cities mm. uh, look that one up yeah it it's really good he goes back in time to try and stop this and you know uh, he's escaping mm. from earth being destroyed and, and overrun mm. uh, actually pretty good film um, yeah you know and then he did a few more right and then he got into the voice acting and yeah. then of course carrie she did a few more um and then but she, she went to stand up yeah, she went to stand up, and then she went more behind the camera, you know, yeah. writing, producing, uh, stuff like that. You know, she, she went was more... hilarious. Um, you know, oh. kind of followed in her mom's footsteps there. I mean, that's yeah. where Debbie went when when she quit being the big Hollywood star. Is you know a stage show in Vegas, basically yeah. doing stand up. Yeah, and, and of I course, loved she... how she introduced herself at every at every one of them. You know, hi, I'm Debbie Reynolds, Princess Leia's mom. Yes. <laughs> um, um, and and they were so close. It's just oh, that was so. It was sad at the same time. It was almost touching in a way that they that they passed so close together. Yeah, it was almost poign- like that. Was mom, that? It was poignant, yeah. and and Debbie Reynolds dying of the broken heart. Yeah, um, yeah. and that's that's exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, that just doesn't happen within days otherwise. No. She just no. couldn't believe she had lost her girl. Now, here's the here's the question, though. Is it's always been kind of the whole thing going on around that Harrison Ford hated Han Solo. That he hated Star Wars. Do you think that's really true? Or do you think that was something that... Because as much as he hate you know quote unquote hated it, you see so many times where he's kind of embraces it, you know, in little bits and pieces. Do you think it was something that he just said that for the camera because 
oh, he's Harrison Ford, he's rough, he's gruff, he's, you know, old man shot at this, you know, yelling at the cloud type thing? Or do you think that? I think it was a bit of both. Yeah. I think he was tired of it. Mm-hmm. He didn't feel it needed to be revisited yeah. with their story. He figured yeah. their story was done. Um, but, you know, his original thing was that he, he didn't want to be typecast. Dude, you yeah. were the most untypecast actor in Hollywood. <laughs> I, he's played everything from Han Solo and Indiana Jones to Jack Ryan. Uh, you know, he's been mm-hmm. in rom-coms. He's, he's done it all. Yeah, exactly. You know, the Blade Runner. Uh, what, what are you worried about, dude? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you have. Well, you at the s- time, though, you know, you, like I, like you have to remember the time, though. He hadn't really established himself as someone no, but, who was but he quickly you know, did. Hollywood elite. What's yeah, that? But he quickly did. Yeah. Um, and I think his worry was that he would go the route of, say, someone like a um, Leonard Nimoy. Where right. that's all he would be, you know, all that, the, you know, that was for a long time. That was all Leonard Nimoy was known for was, oh, he's Spock, even today. Oh, Leonard Nimoy. Oh, yeah, you mean Spock. Right. And, oh. you know, Leonard Nimoy eventually embraced it. Yeah. You know, he went from I am not Spock book to I am Spock um, yeah. <laughs> book. Yeah. Uh, so I think that was kind of his, you know, that's that's kind of what he's he saw. And he's like, oh, is this where is this where my career could go? You know, I've done three movies with this character. And then you have Indiana Jones, who in many ways is very similar in attitude and kind of the look to Han Solo. Uh, and then you get Blade Runner. Yeah. So you have same like, time period. You have like these same type of characters who are in many ways, very similar. And I think, you know, Harrison Ford probably saw like, Oh, is this all I'm going to be doing? Or yeah, these this, action. Is this all they think I'm good for? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I can understand being concerned about being typecast. Mm-hmm. It is a problem for a lot of actors. Uh, yeah. To be, to be caught in that, that role. Yeah. Of, Especially if you have a certain look. Right. You know, and, whatever uh, that look might be, you know, you know, oh, you have, you know, a weird thing with your eye. Did I you? Oh, you're okay. going to be the heavy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, well, and he broke out with, I think it was Witness, was his first really non-that kind of character role um, with Witness and then uh, mm-hmm. trying to think of what else he did in the in the 80s. It may um, just... What was the one where he was the, uh... it was the murder one where... Oh, the fugitive. Um, oh yeah, the fugitive. No, there's another one where it's like I don't. I can't. I, I don't think I've seen it, but it was one where he, he like had killed somebody or mm. yeah, I can't remember it a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't remember now. I mean, he, he pulled off like you know, Apocalypse Now before Star Wars time yeah. and Force 10 from Navarone yeah. and a couple of other really good ones. 
Uh, he was oh, hilarious yeah. at Heroes with Fonzie, mm-hmm. um, where they try to shoot the stars with their M16. Yeah. Uh, that star right there unloads the magazine. Then he just he's just staring into the sky. He's like, did I hit it? <laughs> yeah. Great line. And, you know, working next to Henry Winkler. Um, yeah. So, you know, he worked with everybody that was ever going to be anybody in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And usually they were his co-stars. You know, it, it, yeah. He was the star. Air Force One, mm-hmm. Fugitive. You know, he just went nuts there for a while. Oh, yeah. And, and I didn't mind it. Basically, if it came out and it had Harrison Ford in it, I watched it. Um, you know, he was the best Jack Ryan. Did I lose you? Uh, well, I hear you. Do you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay, yeah, you cut out on me once here a minute ago, too. So, I Yeah, you cut out a couple times, but... You, you, gotta, you gotta love the internet. <laughs> when we're trying to record, Yay. the internet has to act up. Yay, technology. Yay, but you and I are upgrading all of our technology, everybody, so you should be excited for us. Yeah. You'll be able to hear us better, and we hopefully won't cut out as much. Because I'm going to go VPN direct line and get off of Wi Fi so that I get super speed. Fancy schmancy. Yeah. And. Oh! I, but you know, I think we're hitting an hour, aren't we? I think we are too. Uh, so. Yes, thumbs up. Give... What? Yes, thumbs up to the original Star Wars. It is what made everything else possible. Yeah, this is true. I agree. I agree. Uh, well, with that being said, uh, next week we will, of course, be continuing our look at the original trilogy with what many people consider to be the best of the Star Wars movies. And, uh, and many, actually, people consider it to be one of the best movies ever made. I'm, of course, talking about The Empire Strikes Back. Yes, The Empire Strikes Back. Yes. Now, are you saying that because it's a good movie or because, you know, it's The Empire Striking Both. Back? Both. That's <laughs> why it's such a good movie. Is because it's The Empire Striking Back. Well, uh, and hopefully you, next you week... You yourself we'll... right into that one, buddy. I hate to tell you. I did. I did. I Yes, I did that on purpose, but, you know, oh well. You set me up. Uh, Next week, we will hopefully have a full crew, as Ray should be back with us. And, um... You know, love you, Ray, but I'm going to have to call your wife and ask if you can come out and play. Yes, yes. (laughs) I just got Ray in trouble. His wife listens to this episode. I probably did. Uh, Anyway, uh, Joe, where can people find you on the internets? Well, you can find me over on Facebook under Joe Cahill, Director, Producer, or Steamhouse Entertainment, or that slight little project I alluded to, The Last Battleship on Facebook. Uh-huh. Uh, you can also find me, Steamhouse Entertainment, over on Twitter and uh, Instagram. You can email me right here on War of the Stars, and I will be announcing a couple of new shows that I'm going to be doing over at Realm of the Mist cool. here soon. Cool, cool. So... All right. As for this show, if you want to get in contact in contact with us, a few ways you can do that. Of course, you can email us. Email it. The email address is waroftheStars1 at gmail.com. Uh, you can also get a hold of us on Twitter at War of the Stars One. 
And on Facebook, the Facebook group is, of course, War of the Stars. Uh, if you want to listen to the show, you can do so, of course, right through our Anchor homepage, anchor.fm. And or you can find us pretty much anywhere where fine podcasts are heard, including Spotify, Google Play, Google Podcast, and many, many others. Uh, if you want to support the show, uh, every little bit helps, and we greatly appreciate that. The two best ways you can do that are, first of all, through Patreon account. That is War of Stars backslash that is patreon.com backslash war of the stars or right on the anchor homepage there's a little uh support button just click that and you can support us that way uh and that will about do it for us tonight until next time remember this isn't just my star wars this isn't just your star wars this is our star wars until next time May the force be with you. And I don't know how to stop the recording. Uh, right at the top left. <laughs>